The path of the righteous man is beset on all sides by the inequities of the selfish and the tyranny of evil men. Blessed is he who in the name of charity and goodwill shepherds the weak through the valley of darkness, for he is truly his brother's keeper and the finder of lost children. And I will strike down upon thee with great vengeance and furious anger those who attempt to poison and destroy my brothers. And you will know my name is the Lord when I lay my vengeance upon thee. Welcome to Double Impact, the podcast where we double back on the things, the movies <laughs> that impacted us growing up as 90s kids and decide whether they hold up today or are best left in the past. Little jazz there for you, Greg. Little jazz. Jazz. I'm Tristan. And I'm Greg. And uh, tonight we're going back to back from last week with another 1994 film, also nominated for a bunch of Academy Awards that year, mm. uh, including Best Picture. Mm-hmm. Last year, sorry, last week, Yeah, we looked at the winner of that year, which was Forrest Gump. This is probably the most opposite movie of Forrest Gump. Yeah, in that it's good. Whoa. <laughs> he's come out firing. I feel like I'm good. I said it was fine last week. It's, it's okay. Yeah, but this is movie, way better. <laughs> yeah. This is the antidote, perhaps, for Gump's yeah. uber-conservatism uber and obedience. Yeah. So we're obviously talking about Pulp Fiction, the hyper-violent, instant classic, uh, Tarantino classic. It's a yes. classic twice. It is a classic. Dawned in a new era of independent films. Didn't it? Didn't sure it just? Did. Came out in May 1994. Great month. Good month. A lot of ugly babies born in May. Uh-huh. Budget of $8.5 million, a gross of two. Hundred and thirteen point nine trillion <laughs> million, not uh, trillion, trillion million. million. <laughs> Two hundred and thirteen point nine million dollars. It's a biggie. That's a pretty good yeah, ROI. That is. This was when they found out that indies can make money. Before this, remember uh-huh. we did this two weeks ago. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles was the highest grossing independent film in yeah. of all time when it came out in nineteen ninety. This was four years later. This is four years later. We'll get into indies more on that. the map. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes, 92% critic score, 96% audience score. <whistles> Not all that controversial. But this also, so while it didn't win Best Picture, it did pick up the Palm Door. Is that how you say that? Um, that yeah, I yeah. think so. I would have said Palm Door. Palm Door. It won the Palm Door in uh, Cannes. Top Gong at Cannes. Cannes? It's Cannes, isn't it? You'd Can. know, you've been. You've also won awards there. That proves nothing, you? but I met a guy that said it's Can who was a who seems to know these things. Can. Can. Let's go with Can. Yeah. It picked up that. Yep, it picked up a stack of BAFTAs, a stack of Golden Globes. And it did win an Oscar for it did. Best Original Screenplay. Screenplay. Yeah. But man, even our, our boy Travolti was uh the album uh-huh. got. He was um yeah. got nominated. He was for an Oscar. So, what so what seven nominations, one win? Yeah. Um, also nods for Best Picture, Best Director. Travolta got a nod for, these are nominations, I say, yeah. for actor, uh, lead actor Samuel L. and Uma got yeah, best, nods for supporting roles. Best Uma, yeah. And Best Uma. <laughs> and Film Editing got one. 
Yeah. No challenges for screenplay, in my humble opinion. Yeah. I, I think you forget he writes this shit too. It's pretty impressive, isn't it? It is. It's like um, our boy Jordan Peele. Uh-huh. Because he had his first Oscar. No- he won Best Screenplay for Get Out. Yeah. I wonder if that's just the entry point that the Academy does. It's like, well, you're new, all right? So we'll give you a screenplay, but we won't give you... you got a- talent, kid. Yeah. Probably. Big year for movies, 94. Yeah. Uh, Forrest Gump, obviously, we talked about last week. But it wasn't as big as Gump was. It wasn't the number one film of the year. Number one was... Marahenya. Mm. Mm. The Lion King. Lion King. Taking in nearly a billion dollars, which in those days was a very big deal. You I would what? say that's over. It still is. It still is. Not, Not by Avengers standards. But I would imagine that the new Lion King will take in a little more than that. That's true. Coming out soon. Do you know what wasn't a good movie that year? What? Indecent Proposal. Really? That won the Razzie for worst pick. Body of Evidence, Madonna. Wait, that came out that year too? Yeah, and Sliver. Right. So it was a year for like sexually charged shit films. Yeah. But also good ones. Let's not forget True yeah. Lies, The Mask, Speed. Sexually charged shit film, Dumb and Dumber. A Dumb and Dumber. Uh, you know what came in at number 12? This one? Pulp. Yeah, Pulp Fiction came in at number 12. Do you remember watching it? Yeah, so I don't think I saw it in 94. Mm-hmm. But this is definitely like... Film student wannabe era Tristan. I mean, I probably watched it in high school, rented it out a few times, but this is also like the DVD shelf staple of any teenage boy. Slash poster on the wall. Yeah, yeah. The, oh, yeah, I had a poster. That's right. I had. Nearly, the, I saw the poster this week. I nearly bought it for you. Really? To be ironic, but I don't know if it was, <laughs> I didn't. So, yeah, didn't see it in 94. Eventually caught up, I guess, in what was probably the DVD era. Um, got very excited. This was probably the era where I th- I thought I wanted to make movies, and this is the kind of movie that would make you want to make movies. Hey, like this totally. and like Fight Club and Reservoir Dogs and yeah, I don't know, Clockwork Orange and all that kind of shit. Movies. Yeah, and you're like, oh, I've got I've got so much to say. Oh, they've captured my teen angst. Yeah, that is exclusive to me. No one yeah. else goes through what I'm going through right now. Exactly. Oh. And actually, interestingly as well, which I didn't notice until I was older, that this was, I mean, everyone knows this as the comeback for Travolta, I guess, but for even for Mr. Jackson, like, he wasn't the guy that's in, he wasn't that guy that's in everything yet. He'd been in a bunch of stuff no, in small roles. this wasn't roles. the comeback. This was kind this of This was his, pla- his launch, launch, man. I thought him in Jurassic Park was a celebrity cameo. No, that's just a role. He just had a small yeah. role in Jurassic Park. Remember he was also in like Coming to America and Goodfellas. We failed to mention the other yeah. weeks in Goodfellas, Bit and there was like a few others. Uh, Jungle Fever. He was in. I think yeah. he was a decent role. In and Jungle Fever, Jungle I think, Fever, was yeah. started. It was getting uh-huh. momentum into this uh-huh. kind of thing. But man, what a dude! Yes. But yeah, those were my main memories. But yeah, ultimately, this was like art house. Art house. Tristan getting excited, finishing the HSC, applying to get into film production at Macquarie University, which I did not get into. Really? Yeah, actually, that was my first preference. It's hard to get into. Yeah, they had it in 96. Oh, brutal. Yeah, it's bullshit. What uh, about you? I remember liking it. Yeah. Probably didn't get most of the film. Like, right. I would have watched this through the eyes of a 14-year-old for the first time, probably around then. Right. And I would have just seen a couple of older heroes like Bruce Willis, yeah. John Travolta maybe... And a bunch of cool guys talking fast and, like, shooting guns and blood 
Yeah. And driving fast cars. And it was, you're right, because even when I, everything I was just saying, I was probably really enjoying it on a pretty superficial level. Well, you, yeah, you, yeah, that, like it's exactly. a novelty of it. Oh, the other thing I think it was in the years that followed, I think I started to sour a bit on this guy, you know, and I think I thought I didn't like pop fiction anymore. So I wasn't sure what to expect in uh-huh. the rewatch. And we'll get into that. But, um, like a bit, just there was a bit of overkill. Yeah. Bit of overhype. And um, I remember when, like by the time Death Proof came out, which was significantly later, but yeah. actually it was probably the halfway point. It wasn't that much later. It he, feels like heaps later there, doesn't it? Yeah. The only thing I don't like about Death Proof is just I thought the dialogue was just like we've gone too far. He was contrived. It's like a parody of him almost. And I really liked the other one, Planet Terror, the one that Robert Rodriguez did as part of the Grindhouse duo. I liked his one, but I, I didn't like the du- I just one. remember, and it might be where you felt like, because I agree, I remember I was, it was the, I think it was the dialogue when they were sitting in, the girls were sitting yeah. in that bar having one of their back and, and forth and they were like, so like, like hey, hey, we're in a Tarantino movie, yeah. so let's talk about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, was, I felt the same. Totally. Yeah. The Planet sure Terror was good. That was that, that's been tied by the same brush and Planet Terror was, was good, I thought. But um, I'd still watch them all again. I'd, yeah, I'd still watch them all again. But see, I thought I thought I soured on him, and then I then um, I just fucking loved Inglorious Bastards. Bastards. Yeah, I think that's my number one. Is it? What's your What's your top three oh, Tarantino's? Ah, oh, okay. I'll just say three. This would be one of them. Yeah, Reservoir Dogs may well be one of them, mm. and maybe Inglorious Bastards. Don't mind Kill Bills, but quite enjoy Django as well. I don't know, man. Yeah, Django's pretty good. I think oh. Inglorious Bastards is. My standout number one. Is it? Like it's Miles. Yeah. yeah just right. I don't know why. I really like that one. And um, Is it because Margarete? <laughs> yeah, I was just watching that before. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> That's a good. <laughs> Brad Pitt in that is pretty good. Everyone's good in that. that I reckon the hate. Did you, have hit. you seen the Hateful Eight? Yeah, I, I reckon, didn't mind that. I think time will be kinder to that. I enjoyed a it. A bit like Jackie Brown, you know, how it's like. I think Jackie Brown came out immediately after Pulp Fiction and everyone's waiting for like, all right, it's going to be wacky. And it was a linear story pretty much. And it was based on a book, so it wasn't his original IP and all that. But that's in my top three too, Jackie Brown. Is it? I think just for the covering the variety of his stuff, I'm like probably Inglorious Bastards, Jackie Brown, Pulp Fiction, I would say. Inglorious Bastards, Jackie Brown, Pulp Fiction. Yeah. One, two, three in that order. Uh, Maybe Pulp Fiction too. More just because of... Historical context yeah, and like significance, yeah, icon status. I can, and I like Reservoir Dogs, but I feel like that was almost more the prototype. And then he did it properly with Pop, and got better bit. and better, yeah, that's fair. And I Kill Bill Volume 2, uh, that's also at a point where I was at Tarantino fatigue, yeah, like, fair nah, enough. Should we talk about this film? Should we talk about so, uh, this is early in his career, so there's this is very much almost a Tarantino origin story. The story of this movie, and for those that don't know, it's a bit of a He's a bit of a folk hero, isn't he, in, in cinema? Like, no formal training, didn't go to any film school whatsoever. He went, he did it the route that I, as a child, thought I would take. Yeah. He worked at a blockbuster. Yeah. It was a blockbuster? It was a video store. Something like that, yeah. 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 And it was, I think before that, it was even an usher at a cinema, which, again, I thought was the coolest job you could get. Yeah. And, I, yeah, I thought you get a, probably because of him. I thought you get a job at a video store and then, you know... You watch all the movies and then you you start making the movies. <laughs> True story. When I was a kid, my dream when I was older was to own a video store. Really? I still want to own a cinema. Yeah. It's happen. Double impact. You think bigger than me. <laughs> I'm I'm defunct. 
You could have, you could have the gift shop in the cinema where we saw VHSs. I still get EDMs like from <laughs> Video Easy. So let's go to the background. Yeah. yeah. All right. So Quentin, this guy, worked in a in a video store there um, with his mate. Mr. Roger Avery, who we'll talk a little bit about later. Ah, so they worked at the... Yeah. Ah, I didn't know what they're... Yeah. That's cool. Um, These guys wanted to make movies, as you can imagine. We probably won't go too far into some of the other films that happened along the way, such as him writing the script for... Fuck. (laughs) Big. (laughs) Schindler's List. (laughs) (laughs) No, um, True Romance and um, a few others. Uh, oh, Killing Zoe. Natural Born Killers. Natural Born Killers. Yeah. So they're kind of interweaved throughout this story, but I'm sure we're going to do those movies individually, so I don't want to dwell too much on those. But basically, him and his buddy, they're like, we've got to make some fucking movies. Yeah. And they they were always, you know, doing stuff, yeah. creating stuff. Um, but they basically had this idea of, um, well, it's going to be hard to get a, f- a feature-length movie made. Let's make some shorts. And the idea was that they would, they'd write three stories. Tarantino would write one, Avery would write one, and they'll get a third writer to write one. And the third writer never eventuated. But uh, the, the inspiration was sort of these 20s and 30s pulp magazines, which I don't know a lot about. Are you familiar with pulp fiction? in the? No. Yeah, so I didn't know a lot about this. To give you a little elevator pitch, they were basically... Uh, cheap fiction magazines that were published from 1896 into the 1950s. Pulp is the cheap wood pulp paper that they were printed on. So that's kind uh-huh. of what it talks to. But these were like the 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 classic kind of uh, noir, detective, over-the-top violent. Yeah. I mean, kind of what you see in this movie, but this movie is kind of a modern spin and all that sure. kind of stuff. But it's that kind of you know exploitation-y, juicy stuff. Yeah. So they were kind of inspired by that. And they're like, okay, well, why don't we write three stories kind of in that world? And then they were like, well, maybe we can make sort of bundle them together under what we'd call the working title was Black Mask. And so they went they went away and wrote these different things. Avery wrote something called Pandemonium Reigns, which we'll get into a little bit later. Tarantino wrote elements of what we'd eventually see in Pulp Fiction, but he also wrote another story, which... Actually, he was like, well, this is pretty good. He expanded it out and it became a feature-length movie, which was, became Reservoir Dogs. So it started as almost ah. a story within this movie and then it kind of became its own. That explains some of the character sink, uh, character sinking we, we can touch on later. Yeah, 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 exactly. Across the Vegas. Yeah, so slight detour. Obviously, Reservoir Dogs is like, okay, fuck, I want to make this thing. And he somehow meets Harvey Keitel. I'm not sure how that happens, but I'm sure we'll do Reservoir Dogs one day, so we'll talk about that. But him, Harvey Keitel plus Reservoir Dogs is kind of the the origin of uh, of Tarantino being a thing, and it gave him the leverage he needed to make this fucking movie the way he needed to make it. But basically, just to go back on him talking about three stories, he wanted to. He still had this idea of three stories, and at certain at a certain point, they came together as, "Oh, what if we interwove them?" But he'll be the first to admit that these are not like. The, the stories themselves are not necessarily like very original stories. It's more in how they're told and they, yeah, they're, they're tied back to the old, which is pulp, which kind of, yeah, in some ways sums up much of the work Tarantino does. Yeah. So he makes, he makes Reservoir Dogs. It's a, it's, it's a big hit, relatively speaking, like critical hit. Yeah. Everyone sits up and takes notice. It's a fucking good movie, obviously. Um, and so, pretty the, violent. I think his, his, his violent yeah. streak. 
sorry, from a direction yeah. or filmmaking point of view. Yeah. It was pretty evident there. So a lot of blood. A lot of blood. Obviously the scene with Michael Shoot Madsen. That woman. Oh, yeah. That it's a pretty yeah. It's icky. Yeah. His style is sort of Yeah. Uh launched. Yeah, but it's interesting because I would I, it makes sense, but I didn't think about this at the time. Probably because I was ten years old. It makes sense from this point. He's on the radar now, and he's getting offered all these other movies to do, like written by other people. Yeah, right. And he's like, no, 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 I don't want to do that shit. I don't want to do that shit. They're like, hey, I got a picture for you. You want to do this one? Nah, I don't want to do that one. He keeps getting offered all these things. I've got my own project. You're either in or you're out. You want to do my project or not? And basically, somehow he gets hooked up with Danny DeVito. And his production company. Yeah, I, know, I saw is, that name. He's he's one of those interesting guys, isn't he? There's a whole lot more to Danny DeVito than I think we realize. Yeah, those two meet, um, and he's in. He he's like, whatever your next thing is, I'm in. So, so then he's like, okay, what if we got these three stories and we start to intertwine these three stories? And you got maybe the main character in the first story becomes like a, a supporting character in the second one and then a minor character in the third one. How do we weave these things together? We've got something interesting going on here. We've got a few different kind of... We've got three separate stories, but there's potential to kind of uh, stitch them together. So him and his buddy Avery, Roger Avery, um, again, the guy who worked with the, the, uh-huh. the, the video store, they take their 50 grand they made from Reservoir Dogs knowing that they've uh, got some money on the table coming their they've way with uh, Pulp Fiction, and they go to Amsterdam. Oh, to have a Royale with cheese. A Royale with cheese, yeah. So that's interesting, right? I wonder where that line came from. So the, it's really, the Roger Avery thing is interesting. So Roger Avery has become you know, a successful writer in his own right. He wrote the scripts for Killing Zoe, which I think is supposed to be a thing. Yep. I'm not that familiar. He, he wrote the script for Beowulf, Beowulf, which Zemeckis directed. And um, yep. Rules of Attraction, I think he may have also directed. Do you remember that it had James Vanderbeek? That was weird. Yeah, but it was, it was based off... Uh, Something pretty uh, cool. Brett Easton, oh, what is his name? The guy that wrote American Psycho, the yeah, book. Yeah, that's right. Yep. And so he's, some he's somehow... There's a connected universe thing going on there. It's okay. It's not great. It's okay. But he it was good for it was good for well it was Dawson trying to not be Dawson. Yeah, but he he cannot be Dawson. Have you seen him in things lately? He's good. Yeah, but not at that stage. No, yeah, he wasn't, he wasn't ready. ready. Yeah. Had to ease out of it. Yeah. So these guys go to Amsterdamies and he's where there's a bit of uh Roger and Quentin used to write a lot together, right? And I guess in before it became business uh, I guess they weren't too precious about who wrote what, but then things started to get a little bit prickly at this point. So the story that Avery originally wrote as part of the three, his one was called, what was it called again? Pandemonium Reigns, which was about the watch, the box of that story, right? They 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 agreed to kind of get that in there as kind of the second story of the three and they they kind of had all these scenes laid out on the hotel room floor and were like, okay, what about this or this? And they're mapping this whole thing out. And Roger goes back to America. He's like, all right, that was fucking cool. He left thinking he just co-wrote this movie and then Tarantino continued to work on the script. <laughs> and um, he ended up hearing, <laughs> I think when production wrapped up or like uh, before, just before they were shooting or something, he heard from Tarantino's lawyer that um he would only be getting a story credit not a co-writer credit and if he didn't like that they'll just cut his whole bit out of the fucking thing 
So it oh. sounds very aggressive, doesn't it? But apparently they're all good now. He got paid originally. He got paid twenty five grand for his contribution, but I think he got some on the back end as well. Yeah, which sounds fair enough. But yeah, he got credited as a story by not 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 a writer. Yeah, good. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, it, it's kind of weird. You don't hear a lot about that. But then about. Seeing seeing the the rest of his career, it's not, I mean, by no means a bad career, but it's not like, I don't know, it's not like a Lennon-McCartney thing where, you know, where, yeah, yeah. 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 he probably contributed some awesome stuff to it. Like, there's, they call it, there's specific things in the movie that are from him, like the the whole watch, I mean, maybe not the dialogue, not not Walken's entire (laughs) monologue, but it all stemmed from his, um, his script. So, the script is written. DeVito gets his little grubby fingers on it and gets oh. very excited. Excuse me? I assume he was eating friend, peanut butter with his out of the jar with his hands. Friend of the show. Friend of the show, Danny DeVito. Friend of the show. Friend of the show, Danny. But my perception of him has changed so much since Always Sunny. For the better, he, I hope. For the better, but he just I just imagine him with grubby little fingers. Just being a filthy human. Yeah. <laughs> um, Gosh, he's a special man. He's a special man. He's in Dumbo. You know, it's... Um, it should be in everything. Anyway, I digress. Um, Danny loves the picture. Of course he does. Everyone loves this picture. And he's, he's, he's trying to hook, uh, hook this up through TriStar. TriStar were like, nah, it's a bit violent. And uh, we, I don't think this is right for right now. Violence uh-huh. is a bit controversial. Uh, so they passed. Every other major studio passed. Yeah. Then Danny took it to a guy who may have... Heard of Max listeners? Mirror, yeah, Miramax, Mister Harvey Weinstein. Topical, yeah, Mister Harvey Weinstein. He's um, apparently he's about to get a, on board a flight. Someone hands him the script, and he's like, "What is this? The fucking phone book?" Because it was I don't know, 167 pages. Uh-huh. Usually scripts are like 110 or I don't know. And then he read the first scene called, and he's like, "I just oh read the first God. scene. It's fucking amazing. Is the rest of it this good?" So like, we're in, we're in business. So um, that script gets sent out to a bunch of actors <laughs> with the warning, if you show this to anybody, two guys from Jersey will come and break your legs. <laughs> cool. Should we talk about what actors it perhaps may have gone out to? Yeah, because like, every role here has a it couple of meetings. You see. So should we start? Where should we start? From- should we start with Vincent Travolta? Yeah. What do you got? So, I don't totally get the logic here, but Tarantino originally wanted Michael Madsen, who played, he played Vic Vega, Correct. Vic Vega, and this character is Vincent Vega, in Reservoir Dogs. So, they're brothers. Yeah. In in the expanded Tarantino universe, which we'll touch on a bit That's later. Right. They're brothers. So, I don't get the logic of him playing his own brother, but whatever. He w- yeah, he just would have tweaked it. it he this would have been Vic Vega again. Yeah, perhaps. yeah, yeah, exactly. You'd imagine. But he picks another movie, and he says he regrets it massively ever since. Yeah, because he did Wired Up. Is that what it was? Is that what it was? With Kevin Costner. Is that what it was? Uh-huh. Uh huh. He wasn't even Wyatt. <laughs> oh man. Harvey Weinstein wanted Daniel Day Lewis. Yeah. Or uh, what was the other ones? There was, was not Tom Cruise or someone like that. Oh, like Johnny Depp or something stupid. Uh, Bruce Willis wanted the role. Yeah. He had to settle for the other one. We'll get into that one, but um. Yeah, Tarantino really, really wanted Travolta. Yeah, once he, yeah he's massive. a massive uh, Travolta fan, apparently. Yeah, 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 yeah. They hit it off big time. Apparently, Weinstein did not want him. Yeah. But then eventually took all the credit. 
<laughs> yeah, I think he even said, I'm so glad I had the idea to cast John Travolta. <laughs> oh, that's nice. Yeah. Um, but Tarantino talks about it here. I wanted John and, you know, his career was not in a great place right, at right, this time. Right. And uh, Harvey Weinstein, um, you know, said, we don't want him. Wow. You know, he's doing Look Who's Talking 3. Wow. Wow. And, and um but I remembered what a great movie star yeah. John Travolta was and how exciting he was. Right. And so I told uh Harvey Weinstein, you know, I go, Look, you need to watch Blowout. And right. if you don't think John Travolta gives a terrific performance in that movie, right. then maybe we should question whether or not we should do this movie together because right. maybe we and I'm not threatening him, right. but maybe we just don't agree and what what right. uh, good work. Right, 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 right. <laughs> and uh you know, so I kind of pushed him down his throat a little bit. But this time we kind of had Bruce Willis, so what? Yeah, you know, wasn't so bad. Bruce was really down with the yeah, John yeah, idea. Yeah, he became one of the commercial motors of the movie because actually there is nothing more commercial than a comeback. Sure. As earnest as he was in wanting me to do it, there's a lot more kind of um, hot actors or contemporary actors that would fill the bill easier than I would. But he stuck to his guns, and he really pushed for me to. Uh, to be in this movie and uh, I'm thankful he, he, he did so they meet up Tarantino invites Travolta over to his house and the yep. funny thing is he invites him over to his apartment Travolta, he living? Uh, somewhere in Hollywood Travolta opens the door and says okay okay no wait let me describe your apartment to you <laughs> <laughs> do you know who your actor oh, no, is? Who? Mr. President Bill Clinton. I did not have... He played Clinton in something once. He should. I did not have sexual relations with that woman. It's so good. <laughs> it's so good. Maybe it's the wow. BB talking, but yeah, I'm on board. Anyway, he says, your bathroom is has this kind of tile and yada, 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 blah, blah, blah. The reason I know this is because I lived in this very apartment when I first moved to Hollywood. So he went to visit... Tarantino at his apartment. He lived in that apartment. So they hit it off. Like metaphorically? Or? No, no, literally lived in that apartment. He was explaining like, I bet in the bathroom you got these tiles, right? Yeah. I lived, he lived here, in the same yeah, apartment. I lived here. Oh. And he initially, they didn't talk about it exactly, but he initially, when they first spoke, he was talking to him about both From Dusk Till Dawn and and Pulp. And I think he was he was suggesting more heavily Dust Till Dawn. And Travolta was like, nah, I don't do vampires. God. And so he did this instead. So what for? Was it going to be Clooney? I think it would have been Clooney. Yeah, I believe it would have been Clooney. Uh, they didn't say explicitly, but that's the vibe I got. But yeah, it was a bit of a battle to get there. But they got him there. So that, that could have been quite a different movie. I mean, like I said, Bruce Willis wanted that role initially. Michael Madsen, yep. you can kind of see just stepping right in there too, which would have been slightly different. But yeah, because I feel like there was an incompetence about Travolta that suited the role. Yeah, because he's pretty sloppy. He's a, he's an idiot. Yeah. He's a fucking idiot. Like, yeah. We can talk about maybe a bit later yeah. about all the things <laughs> he does, but I think he was, I think he was perfect for the role. Yeah. In yeah. hindsight, but hindsight's... Yeah. Yeah. Should we about Jules? Written yeah. for Samuel Jackson, but there was a bit of a speed bump. That's right. Do you want to go? Yeah, so the, the bartender in this movie? Yep. He nearly got the role of Jules. He blew him away in the auditions. In, That's um, right. And uh, Jackson didn't do so well. He kind of treated it just as a read-through. He didn't realize what he had to do. And then he yeah. made a massive comeback next time around. With the Ezekiel. Yeah. the Yeah. Because yeah, Samuel L. has an interesting background 
with Tarantino as well. He auditioned for Reservoir Dogs, didn't get the part. All right. I've um, done True Romance, uh, read Natural Born Killers, and auditioned for that. And uh, when I heard that he had me in mind when he wrote this part um, for this film, I was too excited. So when I got the script, I read it immediately. And I couldn't believe what I read. So I immediately started it again to make sure, and I read it through twice, you know, to make sure. I was like, God, this is so amazing. So first of all, he got the call from Tarantino who said, what did you think of the guy I put in your role? Right. And he's like, fuck, I can't remember you. I can't believe you even remember Yeah, yeah, Into yeah. Auditioning me. Yeah. Anyway, so he sent him that. And then you're right, this other guy blew him away, the, but he came back and nailed it. That's a fucking sliding doors, huh? Uh-huh. Then we got Uma, Mia Wallace. Uh-huh. Pretty hard to imagine anyone else in there, but there was quite a mixed bag in that one. Apparently this was uh, like the hottest role going around. Yeah. So the studio had talked about getting like Meg Ryan, yeah, Holly Holly Hunter. Oh yeah, I, I like Holly this. Hunter, yeah. but I don't really, I don't know. Michelle she, Pfeiffer could have seen that. Yeah, and Uma wasn't that keen at first. No, she, she had to get convincing. persuaded. Yeah, and um, I mean, it's one of those things when she talks about it now. She's like, obviously, I should have done it. Like, I don't know what I was hesitant about, but I think you got to remember that it, he wasn't this guy yet. He, he was, was interesting. He was thirty-one. Yeah, I mean, and yeah. So when he done Reservoir Dogs, he was like fucking twenty-five or something, right? Something crazy, Gosh. and like. You're reading this thing and it's fucking crazy, and she's relatively fresh. Yeah. How, how do you even fucking know? You get scripts all the time. There's so many actors. It's so hard to choose off the page. You don't know how this thing's going to get executed. Like, yeah. does this person even know how to do this kind of thing? Like, yeah. it was kind of a crazy script. So you can imagine there's a couple be of has beens in it. Yeah. The, the big day, like, okay, so has beens is harsh, but let's both Willis and Travolta were not at the peak. Well, Willis was the the more bankable star like, yeah for that made Weinstein he's, happy but he's still but more not not yeah but he wasn't coming off the back of Die Hard you know? I mean like, he's also coming off the back of Look Who's Talking right that was their last collab yeah that's Travolta <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, shit. yeah oh man yeah of course that was in the trailer wasn't it? you loved them in Look Who's Talking <laughs> you adored them in Look Who's Talking too well now they're fucking killers. They're about to find out. Oh, that being criminals is harder than it looks. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the twist. I think is that yeah, uh, Vince is uh, Butcher's dad. <laughs> oh, how that funny! Makes hey? a lot of, oh, that's yeah. How did I miss that? That's that just occurred to me this morning. I was like, wait a second, because they have that awkward yeah. scene at the bar. Um, yeah, in the film, and Carol's like, but they don't know each other, right? Because he, and you then, look at something. Can I help you with something? What did he say? But he suggested comments that he knows him, like he calls him a bad fighter or something, mm. effectively. And I was like, oh, so they do know each other. Yeah, I would have blown her mind if I'd dropped. Look who's talking. It's on dad. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's good. Rosanna Arquette wanted me a role amongst others. Ah, oh, right. Okay, I can imagine that. But for that, apparently, I don't know if this is uh, internet being cheeky, but apparently for Rosanna Arquette's role with all the piercings and such. Yeah. Ellen DeGeneres? Yep. Okay. Pam Greer, which I could see because he, he, she's part of the crew. Yeah. Um, she's part of the movies that he loved growing up. So they they didn't go with Pam Greer because I was like, I can't see Eric Stoltz bossing Pam Greer around. What? Yeah, actually, that wouldn't work. That's the they're, nah, the, they're the, the drug boss. the drug dealing couple. You actually could have just gender swapped the roles. Just let her be him. Yeah, true. That would have worked. 
Eric Stoltz was good. He was awesome. Yeah. They were like my couple of my favorites. Eric Stoltz is one of those guys. I don't know how much I've seen him in. I, yeah. I know him and I feel like I've seen him in things, but like it seems to. He was nearly in Back to the Future, famously. Of that course. One. Yeah, yeah. But um, was he in Fast Times? I don't know. He's just, he's just there. Bing Rames. Bing Rames. Yeah. I rate him. Yeah, he's great. He's so, good, isn't he? Apparently, there's some other guy, but the other guy didn't want to get butt fucked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. So and Bing was like, I fuck, sign me up. I never get to play the victim because I'm such a big, scary yeah, dude. Yeah, right. He's like, I never get to act vulnerable. And then that sort of. And this launched him. him Mission Impossible. Yeah, he's done good. Yeah. Um, Tim Roth. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. He was obviously one of Tarantino's. He was in, in Reservoir Dogs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so Tarantino had him in mind, um, as seems to be the trend as we've done this show, we learn that the production houses often have different characters in mind. So they wanted like a Johnny Depp or Christian Slater, yeah. I believe, or Gary Oldman. That's right. Oh, Christian no, no. Sl- it's going to be. I think Vincent and Jules, they were talking about Gary Oldman The English and boys. Yeah, they talked about that. That's right. That'd be a sitcom, but in a different movie. And there's a whole different thing going on there. Yeah, But yeah. it's fucking well, awesome. Imagine was... those two. Those two have done stuff. Have they done stuff together? True, right? Man, no. Gary Oldman know. and Tim Roth. But that would have been interesting. You, that would have been, yeah, very different. It's a great duo. Yeah. Do something with that. Uh, what else? All right. I mean, that's. I think that's probably... That's um, that's <laughs> ample, isn't it? It's a lot of backstory there. But basically, landing on Willis, while, you know, not the biggest star in the world, a bankable star that Weinstein's like, okay, we've got, we got ourselves hey, a picture. He's a pretty big star. He's a pretty big star. Don't you, don't don't you undermine his Planet Hollywood's spot, around the star. world at this point, maybe. Exactly. Planet Hollywood. <laughs> but this this makes it, okay, we've got a picture. We're legit now. We've got Bruce Willis up in here. We've got his jacket. His jacket. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to explain the Bruce jacket? Uh, yeah, the Bruce. So I, a couple of years ago, bought a suede bomber jacket that I affectionately refer to as the Bruce. Because Bruce wears it a lot. It's yeah. more than this movie. Yeah. It's his thing. Bruce Willis repeatedly wears a brown suede bomber jacket throughout In films. In almost every movie. Yeah. So keep an eye out for that. Then a Greg eventually had a son named Bruce. Then I said, I really like to name Bruce. <laughs> so then I named my child Bruce. <laughs> yeah, that's what happened. <laughs> All right, should we dive into the movie? Let's watch the trailer. Listen yeah. to the trailer. Come on, let's get in character. I'm so interested in big man's wife. Well, he's going out of town, I'm sorry, and he asked me if I take care of him while he's gone. Night of the fight, you may feel a slight sting. Pride only hurts. It never helps. In the fifth. Your ass goes down. I have to say, play with matches, you get burned. We should have shot guys with this kind of deal. We're in a lot of danger, aren't we? I'm prepared to scout the earth for that Oh, I'm sorry. Did I break your concentration? Get down, get down. You got a corpse in a car, 
Monster head in the garage. Take me to it. Don't you hate that? Hate what? Uncomfortable silences. John Travolta, Samuel L. Jackson, Uma Thurman, Harvey Keitel, Tim Roth, Amanda Plummer, Maria de Medeiros, Bing Rings, Eric Stoltz, Rosanna Arquette, Christopher Walker, and Bruce Willis. Looking at something, friend? Ain't my friend looking. Die, you mother! A new film directed by Quentin Tarantino. You really thinking about quitting? Most definitely. What's she gonna do then? Basically, I'm just gonna walk the earth. What you mean walk the earth? You know, like Kane in Kung Fu. <laughs> he did have a bit of presence. The other, the bartender. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because like I kind of notice him on camera a bit, you know. Yeah. When he, I was like, he must be someone. I thought yeah. it must be like he's a mate or he's. A criminal. He had that look about him he's where got a, he's got to be this for a reason. He's got a presence. Yeah, yeah, on screen. yeah. Yeah. So I kind of. It's not surprising to hear that there was a conundrum where he came in and kind of. I just away. feel so bad for. The, fuck! I couldn't do this job. Like, imagine being so close to getting that role. You'd just be kicking yourself forever. Well, yeah, because we don't know who he is now. Yeah, like, he's obviously. He could have been Samuel L. Jackson. He's not Samuel for all Jackson. We know. Fuck. Motherfucker. <laughs> um. How was the rewatch for you, Gregory? Uh, it was delightful. Yeah, it was, wasn't it? So I also was apprehensive to a degree. Yeah. That I thought this might have dated. I don't know if you planted that seed in my head. I probably did. Because I know that you have said that. My 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 point of view on this movie has been, until I rewatched it, that I think I'm going to hate it. Not because it's a bad movie, but because so many movies since then yeah. have tried to replicate it and therefore the whole... But it's, that whole ballpark is tarnished. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I've there is a little bit of that. Like, if this came out today, I'd be like, "Yeah, it's it's pretty good." That was gonna okay. Well, you've answered the one question I had. Oh, okay, um, but, <laughs> there's my answer. But man, I, I, I was in, man. I'm like, yeah, yeah. no, this is fucking good. And it also, I, I'd give it enough room. I hadn't watched it in a while. Same. I, it's I been longer like, than I realized. Yeah, because there was there's there's so many iconic scenes and memorable scenes that you kind of. Feel like you've watched it not that long ago, but then you watch it and you're like, oh, there's that. Oh. Yeah, and the and dialogue I think I've gone, didn't. Yeah, I've got. I think I've, my journey with Tarantino that I was saying before, like I've gone full circle now. So I'm, there's not. You're back. I'm not like anti now, and I'm yeah. just like, yeah, it's not as fun. It didn't sound contrived as well, which yeah. is what I was. I was worried about a lot of the di- the dialogue because it is so dialogue heavy. I challenge that the Royale with cheese is because of the metric system, because we have quarter pounders in Australia. Yeah, I. That's my that, one. I let that slide. That's my one. That's, the, that's all that's I'll it? say. That's it. But otherwise, the dialogue is beautiful. Dialogue is great. I and I think it. it's maybe even the people delivering it. Like, fuck, everyone's good, man. Very natural. So good. There's a, that's why it's so hard with those recasties or those potential precasties. You can't imagine anyone in these roles. Cause no. But that's the sign of a fucking awesome movie. Yeah, yeah. It's just perfect. You can't picture other people in that role. I, that's success. Yeah. And there's that. They just all love working for Tarantino. Yeah. Which we'll get into in a second. Well, and they all worked for um, 20 grand a week or something. That's They all just wasn't for the money. Yeah. Yeah. They well, were... some of them didn't have a choice, like <laughs> Travolta, but all of them got paid the same, apparently, 20 grand a week. 
Yeah. But I mean, yeah, my, my overarching points were basically that. Like, I liked it more than I thought I would. I was worried. And <laughs> exactly what you said, dialogue was on point. Yeah, I was... I yeah. was getting ready to be irritated. I probably... I let's be... I would say I enjoyed it more because I understood... Because I watched this, like I say, I, I, yes, I've seen it probably quite a few times into my 20s. Yeah. I probably haven't seen it for 10 years. Yeah. And there was, there was a lot of the dialogue that I didn't realize I didn't get. Yeah. Which is interesting. It's kind of like when kid, kids watch a, you know, you watch, you know how. The Simpsons. Yeah. Or, yeah. The Simpsons or Seinfeld. Toy Story. Yeah. There's like, there's layers you can watch it on. Yeah. I just thought it was a, a brash, cool, clever, slick. Because you would you would watch other movies and think they're as good almost when you were young. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. Go That's or whatever. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Because you're just looking at the. It's the same. The it's the same aesthetic. Yeah. It's the same sort of delivery. But yeah, like oh wow, it's non-linear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, they. Oh, that's the. They've gone back to the future. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, that, that was yeah. one of that's one big part of this movie that I think is worth talking about because it was a big deal at the time. Reservoir Dogs did it too, and it kind of did feel like this was going to be his thing, is the non-linear storytelling and kind of the yeah. throwing away of the three-act structure. Because uh-huh. yeah, Reservoir Dogs, you're kind of getting each of the individual stories and you you see how they come together. This Piecing one together keeps you it keeps you on the hook for the whole movie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, again, a bit like when we were talking about. Um, Scorsese, I don't think he invented this thing, but it just hadn't been done much in movies. And he talks about it as like uh, writers, uh, novels do it all the fucking time. Why can't we do it in movies? Mm. Yeah, but you don't believe in a linear storytelling. No. Well, it's not. You know, it's not so much I don't believe in it. Uh, it's the situation. Uh, well, it's no. It's it's not the fact that I'm like I'm this big crusade against linear storytelling. All right, but it's the thing is, it's not the only game in town. Yeah. All right. I mean, the the bottom line is, all right. My storyline jumps all over the place. Right. In Pulp back Fiction. and forward. Yeah, back and forward. Now, the thing is, the truth of the matter is, if I had written Pulp Fiction as a, as a novel and I was on your show, you would never even remotely bring up the, the structure. Flashbacks or whatever it, it was. You would, you would never bring it up. All right, because it's like it, a novel can do that, no problem. Yeah. Novelists have always had just a complete freedom to pretty much tell their story any way they saw fit. All right, and that's kind of what I'm, you know, that's kind of what I'm trying to do. Now, the thing is, for both novels and film, 75% of the stories you're going to tell will work better on a dramatic basis, on a dramatically engaging basis to be told from a linear way. But there is that 25% out there that you know, can be more resonant by telling it this way. And I think in the case of both Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction, it gains a lot more resonance being told in this kind of like wild way. But I, did, I remember thinking at the time that this was the thing that he's going to all these movies will be like this. Yeah, right. And I reckon that's why, like, when Jackie Brown came out, people were like, it was a oh, bit of like a, ah, oh. That's normal. But that's a good movie. But we mentioned that just a second ago, like, movies like Go, like, Memento, there was this whole craze mm-hmm. of, non-linear oh, wow, storytelling. What, if, what if we tell it non-linear? And I think the challenge with that becomes, like, it still has to be interesting if it's linear. Like, you yeah. can't rely on that. Because even Westworld does that. Like Westworld season one, especially, it's like, but if you put that in linear order, it wouldn't be that interesting. So it's really just a gimmick. You know, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. That shit pisses me off. But um, but even just his impact in the nineties on film, like so many movies, like Out of Sight as well. That was also a bit non-linear. Remember Out of Sight? That with George Clooney and Jennifer Lopez. Yeah. And Ving Rhames actually. 
Ah. I remember people trying to tell me that this was the Pulp Fiction guy that made this movie. Because people would just like attribute, oh, yeah, it's a bit wacky in how the layout of the story unfolds. Although, interestingly, out of sight. So, do you remember Michael Keaton in Jackie Brown? No. I don't remember Jackie Brown. Oh, so now you can watch Jackie Brown because Michael Keaton's in it. I could go for a rewatch. I only remember Robert De Niro, Bobby, friend of the show. Oh, I forgot he was in it. Yeah. He bangs like. Bridget Fonda. Yeah. In the kitchen. Yeah. Not, not in the same scene. <laughs> not, that, not that it's nice. Any other, but so chron- chronologically. No, but uh, Michael Keaton plays an FBI guy in Jackie Brown and he plays the same character in... Beetlejuice. No, Out of Sight. Batman. Out of Sight is directed by Soderbergh. It's not even... But he plays the same character. There's like a connected universe Whoa. thing happening. How cool is that? It's like a, a dopey FBI agent. Right. Yeah. No, I didn't know that. He's like wearing I a- thought he was having a sabbatical at this stage. I love you. I don't understand Michael him. Keaton. He's great. <laughs> yeah. What's going on with you? He's just He's back now. He's the best. Oh, remember the big the big hit? Yep. With Mark Wahlberg. Of like, course. They, so all these movies were very like Tarantino-esque or like what a less capable craftsman thinks is a Tarantino movie. Like there were so many of these things. Mate, there's heaps. So um, many. Lockstock, go, uh, but Lockstock's good, but it's still yes, the same. but Lockstock, yeah, well, that's he, he was, um, he was called the Guy Ritchie was called the British Tarantino, wasn't Fair he? Enough, I mean, that movie's that works. one of my it favorite is, movies. Snatch, I'm not as big into. I still but like Snatch. It's but fine, I, but Lockstock's one great, of my favorite Snatch. movies. Yeah, um, yeah, things to do in Denver when you're dead. You said the big hit. You said go usual go, suspects. Yeah, so. I understand. Okay, so things like Usual Suspects are interesting because I wonder how much there's two there's two ways to look at it. That yeah. was an influence to that film, or that script had been sitting around. And this is my suspicion. Yeah, that script existed. It, now it gets the green light. It gets the green light. So yeah, what? It could be one of Pulp Fiction's Did most. Did Brian Singer write it as well? I'm, okay, I'm not sure. Okay, what, maybe because um, my suspicion is that yeah. Pulp Fiction really paved the way for indie films. Go so basically, all the production houses are gone. Oh, they can we can make these weird little movies and they'll make heaps of money but because ba- exactly. there's an appetite for them. That's that's the other side of the coin. So there's there's like these filmmakers out there who are replicating the aesthetic of a yeah, Tarantino uh-huh. movie, but then which is like a lot of like fine, Go would be one go. of those. But then the other side of it is the fact that like people are suddenly realizing, oh, these weird little indie movies can make money. Yeah, we don't need a boring, we don't need a Forrest Gump. Yeah. to make a Hollywood movie. So to that's make exactly like like we big, said at the beginning yeah, of the movie, movie, at the beginning of this podcast, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles was the highest grossing independent film up until that point in 1990. So that uh-huh. that was the independent, and it was it made a lot of money, but independent film wasn't what we all know it to be today, and the 90s really became like this golden era of independent film ushered in by basically this pulp fiction it's pretty um, cool it's fucking cool so miramax started pumping out or not pumping out but just collecting these indie movies like i think did they do um goodwill hunting maybe, maybe. A, a bunch of them came out of miramax and then all the studios started buying up these smaller yeah. houses to have their kind of to 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 Collect these little treasures. It's it's a it's huge, 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 
Yeah, so uh, Disney ended up buying Miramax, but I think that was pre pre this. Turner bought New Line Cinema, but you know, there's, there's Fox Searchlight, Paramount Vantage, Focus Features. They're all an attempt for the big conglomerates to get in on this sweet, sweet fucking action, which was not the case pre Pulp Fiction. Yeah. Um, and no. now there's like, man, movies that you wouldn't even, I guess when you think about it rationally, I guess, yeah, they're independent movies, but the top. Four grossing indie movies of all time: Goodwill Hunting, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, Pulp Fiction, Slumdog Millionaire. They're big fucking movies, not just big for indie movies. They're big movies, yeah. They're big fucking movies. So that's pretty cool. And then you get your, you get your John Favreaus with Swingers and shit. You know, mm-hmm. you get your, you get your Danny Boyles we just talked about, but you get your Kevin Smiths like Clerks was uh, after this, right? Yeah. I, I think I'm pretty sure. Not that they wouldn't have done it if he didn't do it, but. Maybe we wouldn't have got the exposure to your point. Like they wouldn't well, they have got picked wouldn't have up. Got the, we wouldn't have got the box. Yeah, because yeah. Um, people that yeah, from from what I've, I'm understanding, they they just weren't as willing to roll the dice on yeah on what get, weren't safe bets. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But then all of a sudden, they're potential money makers. Exactly. So that's I mean that's one thing that you can't whether or not you like this particular movie. It's changed cinema mm. for real, which is pretty epic. There's so many. Um, the film itself has so many like like either Easter eggs into his universe yeah. or nods to so because Tarantino is famous for copying yeah he's he's uh, a, he's homage in, yeah he's, he's he's a postmodern very, filmmaker yeah he's yeah. Pomo his influences <laughs> are at the ready yeah which is which is cool he kind someone of, was saying it's, uh, it. I was watching an interview. And they're like, you know, it's like hip hop. You, you, it's like you're sampling things and you put it together to make something new. Yeah, which is kind of interesting. Which is postmodernism, I guess. Yeah, no original thinking. That's pretty cool. I like that. I like it's, thinking of it that way. Did you find? Is there any particulars that you liked out of this? So not so much in like referencing other films outside of his canon, but I, I get, I get a real kick out of the connected universe stuff. Mm. So have you heard him talk about how he thinks of his? cinematic universe no that there's two no i haven't heard this so there's the real world and then there's the cinematic world within the real world so pulp Fiction's the real world and kill bill is, is a yeah, movie. Okay. Yep. so kill bill's the kind of movie that jules and vincent would watch yes and from dust till dawn is the kind of movie that jules and vincent would, would watch. watch um which is pretty fucking cool uh death proof is the kind of movie that jules and Film, vincent would watch. yeah yeah so that's fucking cool my favorite one in this one, though, is a little nugget from the internet. Very uh-huh. little nugget. Um, so, Mia, Maya, Mia Wallace, Mia. her little story about Fox Force 5. Does it sound familiar to you? Uh, yeah. So, she shot a pilot called Fox Force 5. Perhaps it got made into a movie instead of a TV show because... Is it like X-Men or something? Well, so this is how she explains it. There was a blonde one. She was the leader. The Japanese fox was a kung fu master. The black girl was a demolition expert. And the French fox specialty was sex. And the character I played was the deadliest woman in the world with a knife. And so someone has called out that that's actually very close to the description of Ellie oh, Driver. Cool, Bill. Yeah. Daryl Hannah's character, Lucy Liu's character, Vivica A. Fox's character, Julie Dreyfus's character, and Anuma Thurman's character in Kill Bill. I mean, I would imagine that's just probably stuff bouncing around in Tarantino's head, but in, in close. retroactively, it's like, yeah, it's a connected universe. Um, we called out before that 
uh, Vincent's brother in uh, yeah in Reservoir. So there's been there was talk of doing a. Apparently, he had an idea to do a movie called yeah the um uh, the Vega Brothers. That was there was a lot of talk the about Vega doing a movie. That was big at my schoolies. <laughs> yeah, end at of year crush. Sega World, yeah. Oh, you oh, that's crush? right. I was, yeah, I was in the underages. I never went to Crush. I did. Finish at 7 p.m. or something. <laughs> too scared, man. Anyway, what were we saying? Yeah. So oh, that, yeah, they were going to make that. that talk yeah, of that the being brothers. The yeah, I uh, wonder how that would have worked because it would have to be after. Then they would have got too old. No, it couldn't be after because. He did. He, he did. But then Spoiler. it couldn't be before because he did. John Travolta's aging with his face growing bigger and bigger. It's so big. It's so big. You watch Grease and his face was so small. It's grown. Oh, man. But that would have been really cool. I like all the little ones that are a bit more Easter eggy, like Big Kahuna Burger is a fictional chain that's in a bunch of movies. Yeah. In from dusk till dawn, death proof, reservoir dogs. Yeah, the little the little tidbits. Christopher Walken's character. So he's Captain Coons. So obviously that was ninety four. And then yeah, then they put a character in Django. Yeah, um, who was crazy Craig Coons. Yeah, and he was cool. Walken's character was a descendant of. I don't know if that's yeah. called out or they just yeah. gave him the same name. So like, what about? I don't know about Mia. She kind of she was she was pretty stupid as well. Yeah. So speaking of not knowing what was going on when I was younger, yeah. So I didn't appreciate the nuances of how drugs are distributed. I just thought that was drugs. Yeah, I'm like yeah. that's just a bucket of. She's had some like, drugs. Drugs. I didn't realize there's different it was heroin, and I didn't realize that when he bought the heroin, um, Eric Stoltz didn't have the the normal transportation. I didn't notice that this time, and he's like, "Oh, like, we're I out don't, of balloons. We're out of balloons. I'm going to put it in a baggie." Yeah. So she's just reached, and he's like, okay. So, so that signals that, that this signals is coke, that, not. Yeah. yeah. So she's just gone, this is a transportation unit. You've got a bunch of coke. I'm going to yeah. snort it. Yeah. And then I, I've learned that snorting a bunch of heroin might force you to. Die. Die. <laughs> yeah, man. And his character is a heroin user, so he's got that sort of glazed over. Mate, it was. But, it's, but she should have known that because he's. She obviously is experienced in the drugs. Yeah. And she's out to dinner with him and he's sitting there like he's stoned off his head. Yeah. But he was the stupidest. He's a fucking idiot. Let's he's just talk. A- Let's go through his play-by-play fuck-ups. And when he's disrespectful to the wolf too. Anyway, yeah, let's go play-by-play. Yeah. Play. Let's go play-by-play. There's, there's, play. there's a common theme though as well. Have you noticed this? But basically shit goes wrong every time he goes to the bathroom. <laughs> go on. And so that's one of the theories is that Pulp prefers to toilet paper. <laughs> Right. So right. basically, the the what the first time he goes to the bathroom, she ODs. Is that the first time? Uh, yep. Okay. Let's, oh, let's, maybe that's not the first time. Maybe but that that's one of them. That's one of them. I think maybe he gets shot. He gets killed. The, he gets killed. The robbery in the cafe. Oh, yep. Um, and apparently, heroin makes you constipated, so that explains why he keeps going back to the bathroom trying to push out a nugget. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that one. Um, I good. mean, I don't know if that's really the whole... I don't know if that's what it was going for, but there's definitely a pattern. Every time he goes to the bathroom, something bad happens. Yeah, interesting. So that's interesting. <clears throat> but he's an idiot. <clears throat> yeah. Sometimes it's but hard he's a to charming tell. idiot. Yeah, so what does he do? He's he's generally a bit rude. So he goes on the date. He takes out his boss's... His scary boss's daughter. A daughter. Wife. <laughs> she ODs. That's not cool. Um, he leaves his gun lying around. Yeah. Who does that? I did hear that that wasn't his gun. That was 
Marcellus Wallace's gun, and Marcellus Wallace went out to get coffee and donuts. Oh, oh, that makes sense, I guess, because he'll be nearby. Kind of, yeah. But that's a stretch. It's a stretch. It's an excuse. But it's also random that he would be crossing the street, though, too. Yeah, it's an so excuse. So it kind of makes, yeah, it brings it in, makes it, sense, but it's a stretch. Yeah. What else? He did a couple of other things. I was like, that's so dumb. Oh, he shoots the guy in the head. Yeah. He shoots the guy in the head. That's the whole problem. Yeah. Uh, accidentally in the back of the car. Yeah. He's rude. He's rude to the wolf. Yeah, but I do have one gripe with the wolf in that he really just tells him to clean the car. Like, what's he actually, what value is he adding? <laughs> All right, so you you got a, you got a body and no head. What are you going to have to do is just go clean the car. <laughs> All right. <laughs> you know? But it was a charming scene. I like him. Can you not compromise Cormie Winston's efforts here? <laughs> he, he got him to soap down. They got the dooners over the car. He put the dooners over the you put a doona over a car seat. Yeah. That's All right. hard. The wolf. Thanks, wolf. One he bit. He doesn't know how to park his car. So then either. he's gone. So there's two, there's the two guys. There's, there's Vince and Jules in their ridiculous outfits that they borrow off Tarantino. Yeah. Like almost Hawaiian shirty, you know, holiday type pastel colors. Yeah. He's in a tuxedo. Wolf's in a tuxedo. Yeah. And he's driving a Lotus or something. Yeah. And then instead... I'm thinking if you're trying to be... Incons- Why is he going in the other car? Is yeah. That gonna- yeah. So my bit is, if you're trying to be inconspicuous, wouldn't you pair the people that look the fucking same? Yeah, like isn't a couple it, of dogs. Isn't it weirder having a guy in a tuxedo driving a shitty old car with dunas on the seats with a guy in a fucking pastel I went to foster fishing this year t-shirt? Very much. Yeah. There is something in that scene, the Bonnie situation, that I... I believe doesn't sit well with you either. That is Tarantino's use of the N word. Yeah, well, this probably cropped a lot along the film at a at a frequency probably not acceptable today. But I think up until this particular scene, you can argue that there's yeah. the characters and like Goodfellas, they're not supposed to be good guys, so yeah. they're going to say stupid, dumb, yeah, you know, not cool things. There's something about him. Rep- Saying that word quite a bit, playing that character, knowing that he wrote the script, yeah. it's like he wrote it to say it. And I'm, I don't know if he did, but it's just that's the reaction I get. Oh, yeah, there's a bit, there's a nerk about it. It's a, there's a nerk, and I know there's controversy overall about his use of the n word. Is there? Yeah, with Spike Lee, man, they have beef. There's a, I couldn't find any really good clips, but this one gives you the gist. There was. This controversy a while back between yourself and Quentin Tarantino um, and your displeasure with his excessive usage of the word nigger and his body of work. So, well, so do you think that there was ever a point where you could have maybe talked to him, pulled him to the side, like talked to him directly? And uh, He's beyond that. Denzel Washington pulled him to the side. Quentin Tarantino did rewrites with a couple of scenes on Crimson Tide. And during the shoot, Denzel stopped and said, hold up, hold up. Stopped everything and pulled Quentin Tarantino to the side. And they had a big brouhaha right in the middle of the set. And Quentin Tarantino was trying to squash it. Let's go in the back. Denzel said, nah, fuck that. Let's talk right now. So I'm not the only person who stepped up. Maybe it wasn't Sam Jackson. But I'm not the only person who stepped up to Quentin Tarantino tell him about that. So it's not news. I don't know where you draw the line on this shit. Where does a couple of guys, Greg? 
couple of white guys. I don't think we're going to solve this, but... No, it was just noticeable. Yeah, it was just noticeable. So in the context of our premise of our show, how do things stack up now? I, yeah, I... Yeah. It's not, it's noticeable now. Maybe but I think the N-word across the board, if you're making a movie about slavery in Django, the N-word is going to be in there if you're going to be historically accurate, right? If you're making a movie about fucking dirtbag criminals in LA in the 90s, that word's probably going to be thrown around a bit. But if you're just a character who makes good coffee and you've got a garage they can borrow, like, is it really necessary to say that? It just feels... Especially when he's, he's playing that character. Well, he's mates with Jules as well. The character is mates with the, yeah. with the black protagonist. So, so it's just... It's weird. Do, but then... Do, do white guys in America have black mates yeah, use that word? Some, but this is the thing. No... Spike Lee included, no single person speaks for a whole racial community. So it's not like... So it's, it's problematic to give one person... One person deciding one person gets a pass because that's not really how this works. But by the same token... Spike Lee doesn't speak for the entire African-American community because others have defended Tarantino in all of this stuff. Um, like Jamie Foxx has defended him and, and Samuel L. Jackson has defended him big time. He talks about it here. He has enough problem being being vilified himself as a racist because he uses nigger in his scripts that much or puts those kinds of words in a character's mouth. But, you know, I always tell people, uh, I don't understand why they can't look at his work and realize that every character he's ever given me has pretty much been the smartest character in the film that has the most dignity and respect and kind of runs things and is 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 not a fool of any sort and understands a whole lot about what's going on in life and in the world and for him to write characters like that for me would be impossible for a racist to do so that's kind of interesting. Again, a couple of white dudes. <laughs> but it's interesting, like, yes, the N-word, there's there's complications there. Should he, shouldn't he? I don't know. But you can definitely not say the N-word and still have racist portrayals of African-American characters, which he is not doing, right? Yeah. yeah. He's having him be the smartest guy in the fucking movie. So Interesting point. Yeah, I think that's a good, it's a good counter. And there's lots of back and forth on that whole notion. But it is interesting to think about, like you said, in the context of, well, how about today? Yeah. So so he he does these cameos in every movie, right? So that's probably that's probably my least favorite. But do you remember have you do you remember his other cameos in other films? Yeah. Um yeah. The uh, so, what have you got one in mind or you I do have one in mind. What have you got? The other one I hate. Oh, actually, but it's sort of a love-hate one this one in Django because he does an Aussie accent. Oh, he does. He does a small one, doesn't he? Yeah. But he's got an affiliation to the Aussie because well, he loved those Aussie movies of the seventies and stuff, right? Well, he, if I can believe my old mate Christian, yeah, he dated my friend's auntie, the stunt woman. No, she's an Aussie chick. I don't know, but uh, he he shared this great story with us. If I if I may, yeah. So they dated for quite a while. I assume she was someone of significance, you know, to be dating him. Like she was big in Hollywood or whatever. And they ended up breaking up, I think, on account of him being fairly strange. Um, <laughs> and the straw that broke the camel's back was well, a fairly innocent story, but uh, it was his birthday. And she organized for a bunch of people to come around to their house and <laughs> have a birthday party. And they had a cake. And so they sing, happy birthday, they got the cake there. So he takes the cake off in the kitchen, everyone's kind of standing around, milling around. 
thinking he's coming, he's gone off to cut the cake and come back out with the cake to share with the guests of the party. And, you know, time passes. They're like, where's, where's Quentin? Oh, where's Quentin? I don't know. Anyway, good 15, 20 minutes pass. So she goes, I'll go check. Walks into the kitchen and he's just sat at the table with a big spoon <laughs> eating the cake as, no. a, as a single piece. And she's like, what are you doing? He's like, what do you mean? She's like, what are you doing? Like, everyone's what? waiting for the cake. He's like, I'm eating my birthday cake. It's my, it's my it's like an alien. It's my birthday cake, you weirdo. What? It's my, it's my birthday cake. I'm eating my birthday cake for my birthday. That's so weird. <laughs> yeah. That's like a weird alien thing. Like, yeah. I, will, I will blend in with these humans. <laughs> well. <laughs> Fuck, that's good. Yeah. That is good. It's random. It could be, I yeah. We're not, I wonder what the connection is. Cause it the, could um, be a wives' tale. Don't know. I'll have to. I remember my mate telling me that story, and I've probably changed a little bit. That's the premise: is he eats you know, his own birthday cake, cake. <laughs> so I, I think he because he loves I'm, John. Is that his name John Barrett? That guy that is in Wolf Creek. Because yeah, he was a seventies At one point, if not still, Quentin Tarantino's favorite horror movie. Was Wolf Creek? Yeah. So Wolf Creek, obviously the yeah. what year did it come out? About mid two thousands. Yeah, something like uh, that. Mid nineties, um, Aussie backpacker horror movie about makes the, you not trust people. They can't watch it's those a, movies. It's a fucking scary movie. Yeah. It's so good. It's basically it's a bit of a sleeper. It was set yeah in the outback of Australia, and there's a couple of kids. It's Loosely a true based story. on the backpacker murders. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's yeah. It sort of combines a true story combined with. A couple of other of the backpacker murderers. Yeah. If you're not from Australia, Google it. It's pretty interesting stuff. Yeah. But it's it's terrifying. So he loved that and then obviously tried to get this Aussie guy that's a bit of like a well-known Aussie guy to do Death Proof, which he couldn't because there was a mm. conflicting schedule or something. But he loves that guy. So yeah, it's pretty cool having Tarantino have his favorite horror movie as an Aussie movie. It's fucking I cool. It. Um, I tell you what I liked. Um, so John Travolta doing that character. Yeah. Did you read about his method acting for it? Oh, and he met some junkies or something? Yeah, one of his mates was a junkie, I think. Right. Or like, you know, a user at least. And yeah. he um, he was like trying to, you know, get to the mindset and behaviors of a heroin user. So he's like, mate, have heaps of hot baths and yeah. lots of tequila. Yeah. So he would be having these super hot baths, like get really relaxed and then drink tequila and get like a nice buzz and, you know, that little warm glow from tequila, and that was apparently... That sounds the- horrible. <laughs> I like tequila, but heat and... Uh, yeah, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I think it sounds pretty good. Not too good. Not good <laughs> enough. Um, yeah. But those, yeah, those scenes of him driving his car when he's in the... In, yeah. It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. A little too cool. Like, it does kind of glamorize well, the old... Bit, but I, I mean, we're, we're all adults here. Yeah. I mean, obviously, it doesn't end well. Someone ODs. Yeah, it's yeah. Suddenly, I don't know if it glamorizes. But um, but man, Travolta. Like, imagine if you saw Travolta in this, and you saw Travolta in um, Saturday Night Fever. Saw Travolta in Greece, and that other one that Tarantino keeps talking about, and you saw him in nothing else. You'd be like, this is one of the greatest of all time, right? Yeah. He's so good in this. He is really good. You're in right. This. There's like the level of dopiness that kind of works for the character. Yeah, a the ca- bit. yeah, the ca- it's not a flawless character. Yeah, he's not. He's got a bit of dopiness about him. 
but the long hair was his idea. Yeah, he's a bit, Certain, a little like, bit weird grubby. Character choices. Yeah, there's these weird things that it's, he's good. And even the the twist that was all his stuff. They're like, "What dance should we do?" And he's like, "Hey, little John Travolta was a twist champion." Should yeah, we do a twist. Apparently, Uma Thurman was nervous as yeah. shit. And so he taught her all these different twists and then um, cause all these different ones like the Batman and the yeah, this and the yeah. that. And so Tarantino would just yell out different ones and they'll start doing it. I love a good Tarantino, a, a good Travolta dance. Yeah. Well, it's a bit of fun. He's a fucking legend. So you, I really you, enjoyed do it. Do you remember um, Saturday Night Fever? I don't know if you've seen it or recently at least. Yeah. It's actually a pretty dark film. It's way darker than you think, right? Cause yeah. Because you're just thinking, oh, you can't tell by the way. No, it's a, dark, it's a dark movie. I only watched it for the first time. Maybe 10 years ago. Yeah, I think... It was it, not what I expected. Same. I think I maybe watched it 20 years ago. Yeah. And sort of like end of high school or like just out of high school. There's people like jumping off or almost jumping off a bridge. And, and like he's like... Violent. Someone gets... He's a, like a poor guy raped. that's... It's horrible. It's a dark movie. And I was like, yeah. whoa, this... I was just wanted to watch it to borrow a couple of moves for Cargo Bar. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> they had the light up dance floor. No, uh, Good Bar dude downstairs, remember? Yes, I do. Yeah. Good bar was that's an Italian restaurant now. No, really. Good bar was very special. They tried; it nearly came back to life. I think. Yeah, but we were too old. Yeah, <laughs> we good like bar. Italian food. We can, yeah, we'll go there. It lives on. We'll go there. It should be called Good Italian. That's a, it's called do, Don Pepito. Why would you not call it Good Italian? Oh. Fucking idiots! <sighs> it, look, we'll go there. Let's yeah, give yeah, a shout we'll out. I haven't there. been. Yeah, we'll go there Don and we'll Pepitos. have. We'll go there and have twenty-five bourbon and cokes. <laughs> Oh, man, that was a good joint. Special <laughs> that was memories. great, man. That was great. Moment can be shared by a podcast. <laughs> um, but in terms of performances, so there all, there's, there's a lot of good ones. There's can a you, lot of good ones. I would ones. like you, you to distill down a couple of special ones for you. For me, in this watch. In this watch. I think I would, neck and neck with Travolta and Jackson, and more because I think I took for granted before, thinking that they were already, like, looking at it through the lens of, this was Jackson's big fucking break, and his yeah. delivery, of the, and I've seen him in lots of shit since, like, he's always yelling and stuff, but he had nuance and, like, oh, it's, so it's so good. good. Yeah. And Travolta, who I think is so hit and miss, and even post this, he had a comeback, and he kept kind of, I feel like he was chasing these kinds of roles again and kept getting shit ones, like, swordfish is shit. And oh. So many things, and it's just, he's... He's trying to hit that same note or something, yeah, and it's just, yeah. it's, it ain't it. But in this, it's good. And that's kind of what I mean. Like, if you just watched this and you just watched that, and I favor and a couple of others, like, you'd be like, this is one of the best of all time. He's great. Yeah. And so I think, I guess on this specific watch, I would have to give it just a hair to uh, Travolta. Mm hmm. But uh, otherwise, uh, Jackson. I know that sounds cliche, they're the two main yeah. dudes, but. I think I just took them for granted before, so I've kind of watched them with fresh eyes and Loved dug what they did with it all. Yeah, yeah. Because there's a lot of dialogue there, man, and it didn't, it didn't, wasn't grating. It was good. Yeah, it wasn't contrived. Yeah, it yeah. Was, it was in pla- it was like in, in in lesser capable hands, it may have come across as just like, all right, they're still fucking talking, you uh-huh. know. Uh huh. Yeah. And it was almost Seinfeld esque in parts. Yeah. Like there was just little everyday life bits that they. Like the foot yeah. massage chat is great. That's so good. And they're just going back and forth. I on think it. I appreciate that a lot more this time Same. too. He's like, "You ever given a foot massage? You ever yeah. given it to a man?" Yeah, fuck you. Yeah, fuck you. <laughs> so good. Yeah, there's there's ton there's tons like the, the and the, just the amount of iconic scenes. Yeah. Mine, I 
probably had more appreciation for Uma Thurman yeah. this time around yeah. um, than I did the first time. So I don't think I liked her when I watched this when I was a kid. But I thought she was great. So in terms of, obviously, wouldn't argue for a second with anything you said because they're fucking amazing. But in terms of like who stood out for me more yeah. this time, yeah. I thought she was epic. And then... I challenged one of her lines. I challenged one conversation. $5 shake is not that big a deal these days. <laughs> yeah. It's a good as a bargain. <laughs> that is. Yeah, that's like a Tuesday special. I didn't get a fucking... I get a $5 latte. Like, did you know who... Hey, do you know who served the $5 shake? Yeah, Buddy Holly. Oh, friend of the show. <laughs> yeah, friend of the show, Steve Bashimi. Bashemi? Bashimi. Yeah, whichever that's pronounced. Friend of the show. Friend of the show. Yeah, I thought she did an amazing job, especially holding center stage with Travolta. If you're a new actor and yeah. you're dancing with Travolta, that's his... That's his jam. He's the dancer. Yeah. But um, yeah. I, re- I really did like, as part of the s- smaller parts, I really did like uh, Eric Stoltz and yeah. Rosanna Kett. I thought yeah. they were awesome. Just, yeah. They just had a mad little... And when she gets real excited when they're about to... Do it. Do it. Yeah. It's, it's a good little touch. That was trippy. Yeah. 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 yeah I loved that. <laughs> uh, I loved all of it. I thought it was such a good... I, man, it was a... What was your favorite portion? Because we actually didn't talk much about the Bruce Willis stuff. And I would say that's my least favorite part. I, I it's fine, but when I think of iconic pulp fiction stuff, I don't really. I tend to skew towards more the Jules and Vincent stuff. Uh, I don't know, man. Um, yeah, I I couldn't. I can't definitively tell you. Yeah, it kind of meshes well. And also, Walken at this point, he wasn't in that second era of his career yet, where he's kind of the quirky. Yeah, yeah. This is probably the start of that. That's the yeah. thing. This movie was the. It was the birth of Samuel Jackson, really. Yeah. It yeah. was the birth of Uma Thurman, definitely. An overdue birth of Samuel Jackson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. correct. Um, Uma Thurman, definitely. Yeah. And it was the rebirth of Travolta, the rebirth of Willis, yeah. definitely. Both, like, Willis had taken some duds, man. He wasn't probably at Travolta level, but yeah. he didn't have a couple of good movies. Yeah. Um, this film has done wonders for yeah. like multiple actors. Like it was, it was just. I think it was a special film to be part of. Like you got Man. the sense watching these old clips. They all, you know, sometimes you you hear these actors talking about the movies they're in. Sometimes it's bullshit because they're just paying lip service on a yeah. promo tour. But sometimes it's quite clear that. There's a chemistry and an energy that. Oh man, they were there because they wanted to be there. They're yeah. getting twenty grand. They knew a week. they were going to be. They knew it was going to be special. Yeah. When that's cool, and that came through, like. There was a chemistry that... Yeah. And it is it is out of everything we've done. Like, I like Goodfellas probably better, but this is just a fucking icon. You can't... Yeah. And it's changed everything. Oh, man, it's, it's such a big... I can't think difference. of a movie that has more iconic scenes than this movie. Yeah. And it was instantly. Mm. Often, like, movies like this, there'll be a cult movie at first and it would slowly gather steam, but then straight out the gate yeah. was a big yeah. fucking deal. So has it dated, Tristan? I would say no, sir, it has not. Um, I would say there's uh, certain elements of the aesthetic of this movie that have been a bit worn down by lesser craftsmen yeah. trying to replicate. But watching it, knowing where it sits in film history. Yeah, it's significant. Man, fucking great. And even, even with that in mind, it doesn't really tarnish it too much because it's so well done. The performances are so good. Beautiful. Yeah. Oh, right. oh, go. One final semi-recurring segment we always forget about. You know it's culturally relevant if it passes one simple test. Did Simpsons do it? They sure did. You know, I went to the McDonald's in uh, Shelbyville on Friday night. The McWhat? 
McDonald's restaurant. I, I never heard of it either, but uh, they have over 2,000 locations in this state alone. Must have sprung up overnight. You know the funniest thing, though? It's the little differences. Example. Well, at McDonald's, you can buy a Krusty Burger with cheese, right? But they don't call it a Krusty Burger with cheese. Get out. Well, why do they call it? A quarter pounder with cheese. Quarter pounder with cheese? Well, I can picture the cheese, but, uh... Do they have crusty, partially gelatinated, non-dairy, gum-based beverages? Mm-hmm. They call them shakes. <laughs> shakes. You don't know what you're getting. Well, I know what I'm getting. Some donuts. Uh, help me out of the booth, boys. <laughs> Holds up. It's in the Simpsons. Does it pass the Bechdel? Uh, probably not quite Bechdel. Probably Test not. Territory. Bit of delight. Bit of rewatch. It's 100% a 100% rewatch. Yeah. And if you are looking to rewatch this film, it's being screened at the Hayden Orpheum in Sydney. If you're a, if you're a local listener, uh, next week. Yeah, but um, get on down there, get a ticket, get a popcorn. It's a, it'll be good on the big screen. Um, what Tell them double we... impact sent you. Yeah. What do we have coming up? Yeah, we do some Aladdin. Aladdin. Some weekend of boinies. Weekend of boinies. Commando. Commando. Let off some steam, Bennett. Let off some I couldn't even remember the one. <laughs> uh, we got a bunch coming. Oh, hoops. it's coming. Uh, we're excited. All right. As always, if you disagree, let us know. We love your feedback. Yeah. If you listen to the show and you like the show, please spread the word. Spread Maybe the leave word. A review. Hit a review. Tell some mates to have a listen. Spread the word. It helps us. Help other weirdos discover us like yeah. you did. Support our lean marketing budget. Yeah. Um, and it's been a pleasure, Tristan. Thank you for having me. Um, <laughs> I need to find. I'm hoping my wife is sitting out the front doing that. Maybe lower in the car.